Good morning. How are you guys doing? I hope you're having a great day. Did you catch that? I hope you're having a great day. Uh Yes. Hey, well, I'm Denisa. As he said, I'm one of the staff pastors here at GenU at this amazing church. And I am so excited that I have the privilege to be with you today. So, um, yes, I am the fourth installment, the last installment in our Jesus Is series. And, I mean, to be completely honest, there aren't enough Sundays to tell who Jesus is. Whoops. Is that better? Okay. I won't move it. Is that better? Okay, okay. All right. There aren't enough Sundays to be able to tell all of who Jesus is and what he means to us. I mean, because there are so many things that could fill in that blank, Jesus is, right? Um, So we just picked one, and today is mine. So um, I'll tell you what, let's pray before we get started, and I don't drop the iPad, because that would just really be a bad thing. I wouldn't remember what I'm saying if I did that. Um, But let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you made the choice to come to earth to be our everything, our example of who God is, the embodiment of who you are. Father, because of your sacrifice of your son, Jesus, because you willingly came through that love, Lord, we have healing, we have provision, we have protection, we have freedom, We have joy, we have peace. The forgiveness that you brought us gave us the certainty of eternity, and we are so forever thankful for that. God, I ask you, Lord, just to be with us today, open up our minds and our hearts so that we can hear whatever you need us to hear, what we need from you, God. You can speak one word and it can mean a thousand different things to each one of us because we're all different. God, I ask you, Lord, just to open up our minds and our hearts. Be with us today. Be in this place. Let your presence lead us and guide us. Holy Spirit, speak through me for whatever needs to be said today. And we give you the praise and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen? Well, as Tommy said, as Pastor Tommy said, we know that Jesus is curious. We know that um, because of that, he asks questions, and he brings us into that relationship with him. I love that. We know that he's mercy. His compassion knows no ends. There's no limit to it. It doesn't discriminate, right? We know that he's truth. He is the absolute truth, regardless what rears its ugly head to tell us differently. He is absolute truth. Amen? Well, today Jesus is hope. I love that word hope because to me, it, without it, I don't know that I would be able to go on. I don't know that I would be able to um, expect or believe or trust if I didn't have the hope that something would change, that tomorrow would be better, especially when you're in those difficult times. But have you ever felt like things were hopeless? Have you ever looked at the situation in front of you and thought, I have no idea how I'm going to get out of this. I have no idea how this is going to turn out. I have no idea what to do. And even though 
as Christians, we know deep down in our heart, it's not hopeless. It looks like it is, or it feels like it is, right? Well, that's the funny thing about hope. I mean, you know, the, the Bible tells us that in the end, there's faith, love, and there's hope, right? All right? And those three things, all three of them, when we need them the most, it's like they're the hardest to hold on to, you know? I mean, it's, it's hard to love somebody when you're in the middle of something that, where they're just being horrible to you. It's hard to have faith when it seems like things are not going to work out or hope. It's when we need it the most. I mean, because let's be honest, if everything's going grand, you're not clinging to the hope that it's going to be better tomorrow, right? Right? I'm walking on sunshine. Oh, no, that's not the moment when you're looking at this going, I know it's going to be better tomorrow. I know it's going to be better next week. I know it's going to be better when I get past this. It's when we need it the most that we have to hang on to it, and it seems like the harder to hang on to, right? Well, here's the thing. When we need the hope, hope is there, and his name is Jesus. Amen? All right, we're going to look at the scripture, Luke 5, 17 through 26. So one day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Now, I know, I, you know, I, I really struggled with us. I'm thinking, okay, there are so many stories in the Bible that depict what hope is. Things look desperate, things look like there's no way out, and then God comes on the scene, or Jesus walks in the door, right? Why'd you pick this one? Because I can't think of a state that would be more difficult to be in than paralyzed. I mean, if you think about it, I don't know if he was paraplegic or if he was completely paralyzed, I'm not sure, it doesn't really say, but he was on a mat, he's not sitting in a chair, right? I can't think of a place where it would be, I would feel so helpless. I mean, he had to completely depend on other people. You know, when you are in a deep depression and things are going bad, you still have the physical being to get up and do something. He didn't. He couldn't change the circumstances. He couldn't make it better. He couldn't even, you know, Holy Spirit, tell me what to do. That's what we do right now, right? Tell me what to do. I, what can I do to make this situation better? There was nothing he could do. He was completely paralyzed. He was completely at the mercy of others to just basically take care of him, right? Um, but how, I mean, I look at that situation, I'm, I feel so sorry for this person and the state that they were in, but how many times do we find ourselves in the middle of a life storm of some sort, a bad, difficult situation that's going on in our life, and we feel like, I, I can't do anything to change this. Have you guys been there before? I have. Like, there is nothing that I'm going to be able to do that's going to change this situation. So that's why I picked this story, okay? So, we're starting in verse 19, here we go. When they could not find a way to do this, they were trying to get in to see Jesus, because of the crowd, they did not quit, 
I mean, they came there with a hope that things would get better, that, that their friend would be healed. He came hoping that his situation would change, right? They didn't go up and, okay, there's people standing in the door. There's people looking in the windows. There's people, they are so crowded in the room that we can't get in. How in the world are we going to carry a bed in? And there's four of us. You know, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Can I get through? There was no space. So they didn't go up and go, well, we can't get in. Might as well go back home. That's not hope, is it? That's not expecting something to change or be better. They didn't quit. No, they were clinging to hope, hope that tomorrow would be better. So the scripture says, it says, when they went on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. First, you got to carry the man to the roof, okay? Now, it's not like a ladder that we would use to get up on our roof. Basically, the houses, they were a little lower, okay? So not quite as tall, not 10 feet tall or 12 feet tall or whatever. Um, they were a little lower, and there was stairs on the outside. Not one or two, three, three stairs, right? A whole steps all the way to the top of the roof where it's like flat, and it's like a terrace, right? Um, but they're carrying him up the steps. Have you guys ever tried to pick up your kid when they're asleep? I was like, dead weight. They're not helping you pick them up. You know what I mean? It's like, why do you feel like you're three times heavier than you're supposed to be? Right? So this is a full grown man, right? They get to the top of the roof and the scripture says they make a hole and they lower him in front of Jesus. Okay. The top of the roof, the roofs were different than they are today as well. We know it's flat, right? So it's got wood beams. It's got um, like a brushwood, like you would start a fire with, like brush and stuff. And then on top of it was like a clay and straw mix. So that was kind of the, uh, the concrete as we would use. It was the ceiling to keep the weather out and things like that. And they had to replace that a lot. So it's easier to get through, but nonetheless, it's still a hole, right? They made a hole in someone's house. Now, hang on a sec. Because according to Mark and a few other references to where Jesus lived at the beginning of this ministry, this was Jesus' home. This is what you call desperate dedication, right? I mean, I get upset with myself if I leave a mess in God's house. They're making a hole. I mean, literally big enough to lower a man, a full-size man in so it's not a, it's not a this hole, Right? They're making a hole in the roof. And yes, it's probably easier to repair, but at the same time, you still have a hole, right? I'm sure that as they're digging through the roof, all of the, the brush and the stuff falling down made people step back and get out of the way, so it was easier to lower it down, right? Okay? I wonder what Jesus was thinking when he's seeing his roof, like, fall. And you know what? I think he knew what was going on. I think he knew what was happening. And I think he knew why. Follow me on this one. You'll see what I mean. When Jesus saw their faith, we're in verse 20. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who's this fella who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking. That's how I know he knew what was going on. He's like, it's okay. We can fix this later. Okay. All right. 
He knew what they were thinking and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk? Now, me personally, if I'm praying with somebody, it's easier for me to say get up and walk, right? Right? Then it is, I'm not God, right? He says, which is easier to say? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Now think about that this man had no hope before he got there of things being normal. He had no hope of family, providing for the family, a career, being a significant part of society because he was so limited. There was probably very little he could do himself. He knew that he had to get to Jesus. His friends knew that they had to get him to Jesus because Jesus was his last hope. Jesus was his only hope. Wikipedia says, hope is an optimistic state of mind based on expectation of positive outcomes. It's an expectancy. It's an expectation. It's not just, I hope it's sunny tomorrow. You know? Oh, I hope my friend comes over to see me. I'd really like that. It's not that. It's an expectancy that there's going to be a positive outcome that things are going to change. When, we, when our expectation is in God and that his promises are true, it's not a wish like I hope it's sunny tomorrow, (laughs) you know? It's not a wish, it's certain. It's absolute because of who he is. We can place our hope in Christ and no matter what's happening, he can't fail. He cannot lie. He can't, he's God, he cannot lie. So he's sovereign, right? So when he promises us in his word that he will be our provision, that he will always be with us, that he will take care of us, that he loves us unconditionally, he can't lie. Those promises are true. He is truth, amen? All right? God isn't just sovereign in the middle of our problems. He's sovereign always. He was, he is, he always will be. That doesn't change. So that's something solid that we can put our trust in and our hope in. You know, sometimes we put our trust in so many other things, in our our college degree, in our career, in our finances, in our family, in our position, in our influence. There's so many things in our friends, our best friend, our BFF. We put our hope. There's nothing wrong with those things. They're all good, but they're temporal. Your career could end tomorrow. I hope it doesn't, okay? But it could. There could be an accident and, and you're unable to continue in that career or you've lost family. It's temporal. God is not. God is eternal. He's always going to be there. Those things could be gone tomorrow. Our relationships. Right? 
our abilities, our talents. What happens if, we, what happens if they go away? They're still God, right? What happens if we end up in the situation that the man was, the, par- the paralyzed man? We still have God. There's still hope, and he is the healer, right? I asked a couple of people, well, I asked a few people, I said, you know, what does hope mean to you? Not like the definition of it, but what's it mean to you? What's the significance of it in your life? I would ask you that this morning. Think about it. What does hope mean to you? One of them said, I would die without hope. If there was nothing to look forward to or to hope for, it wouldn't be worth living. And as he said that, I'm thinking on, in the way my mind works, I'm thinking, this is where people are at when they're contemplating ending their life on earth. Because the last thing that they were holding on to, that it's gonna get better tomorrow, it's gonna get better next week, it's gonna get better next month, they've lost that hope. They, don't, they no longer see that tomorrow's gonna get better. That's a sad place to be in. That's a horrible place to be in because if there's nothing else, there's still God and there's still hope in his promises. Amen? One of the people said, um, it's so important to me because I must continually remind myself that I have a better future, that things will get better. Even with eternity, I have a better future, an everlasting future with him. Lamentations, the third chapter. Jeremiah literally spends almost the entire chapter talking about everything that's going wrong. Like he's withering away, he's been beaten, he's been torn apart, he's been ridiculed. Like he does, he's lost his endurance. He doesn't, he's forgotten what it means like to feel happy again. He's calling out to God and he's not hearing answers. Literally, the whole most of the chapter, he's talking about all of these things. But verse 21, whoops, verse 21 says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Everything is falling apart. Yet, when I remember who he is, and I remind myself of the things that he's done for me before, I know that his promises are true. And just as sure as the sun's gonna rise, I can put my hope in him. Amen? Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of that. And like I said before, there are so many stories in the Bible that talk about someone at the end, they don't know what to do, there is no way out, the Red Sea, there is no way out. I don't know what's gonna happen and hope came in, and I, trying to decide which ones to use. I mean, there's the, the woman caught in adultery. They were gonna stone her. She was caught, right? There's no way out of this, right? The woman at the well, shamed and ridiculed, but then Jesus came along, right? Um, the, um, Paul and Silas, when they were in jail, I mean, their life, was possibly going to come to an end. They're literally shackled in the middle of a dungeon in the floor, you know what I mean? There's so many things. And then I thought about the disciples 
when they were caught in the storm in the sea and the storm was coming against him. The Bible says that the boat was battered and the water was coming up on them and then hope came walking on the water. Um, I'm sure, these are fishermen, guys, so I'm sure that they were doing everything that they knew to do. They're down there, you know, getting the water out, you know, they're trying to plug hose, whatever. They're trying to keep things solid. And they were fishermen. They knew what to do. But this was a situation where they'd done everything that they knew what to do and it wasn't helping anything. You know, complete, to be completely honest with you, I think that would be the freakiest place to be when a storm comes. There's nothing to hold on to. Water's not solid, you know what I'm saying? The boat's gonna go wherever the waves take it. That would be the scariest place to me to be when there's a storm coming. There's, there's nothing, I mean, there's an anchor, but it's probably in the boat, and if you, I mean, its purpose is to keep the boat, you know, when the waves are coming at it, but if it's a storm, it's not really gonna help much, is it? I mean, that, that would be a scary place to be, but have you ever felt like that life was coming against you and the waves were coming over you and you, I have nothing to hang on to, right? Well, listen guys, if it hasn't happened, it will. You know why? Because we have a human nature, we have an enemy who fights against us, and we live in a fallen world. So it's gonna happen. We know that because Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But you can hang on to me, you can trust me, you can put your hope in me, because I've overcome the world, right? So we know that it's gonna happen, we just seem to forget that when it does, amen? So the disciples are freaking out on the ship, and then Jesus comes walking along, and then they think he's a ghost, so they freak out anymore, you know what I mean? Which doesn't make any sense to me, you know? But then when they realize, you know, honestly, we could judge that and go, you guys just saw him multiply food for 5,000. You've seen him heal the sick, the lame get up and walk, the blind are seeing, we could be judging that, but how many times do we find ourselves in the middle of a life storm and we panic? And we run to our friends. There's nothing wrong with friends, but we run to our friends. We run to social media. We Google it and look it up. What do I do with this? You know what I'm saying? We go to so many other places when Jesus is right there, right? Our friends can agree with us in prayer, but they're not him, right? Um, I mean, it happens to us too, so we can't really judge. Oswald Chambers asked this question. He said, can I face things as they actually are in the light of the reality of Jesus Christ? Or do things as they really are destroy my trust in him and put me in a panic? Are we seeing him bigger than the situation? Or are we seeing the situation and it's diminishing our vision of who he is? I'm talking to me too, guys. But that's something to reflect on, you know? God, help me to first see you. Help me to first look to you, instead of panicking first. So the disciples find out that it's Jesus and Peter. God bless Peter. I mean, are you serious? This storm is getting ready to take you out, and your first thought is, I'm gonna step out there too. You know, I mean, 
me, I'm envisioning all the other guys on the boat going, what? There is something wrong with that man's head. (laughs) One of them looks at the other and says, I ain't even believing he just said that. Or maybe we do it the biblical way, right? Dost thou hear what he just said? You know? But the look is still the same. They're like, what? What is wrong with you? So whether it was total trust, blind faith, or just Peter opening his mouth before his brain kicked into gear, whatever it was, Jesus knew Peter. I mean, Peter knew Jesus. Sorry, said that backwards. Peter knew Jesus. Peter knew that his hope was there. Peter knew that he could depend on Jesus. Peter knew that things were gonna change when Jesus showed up. He knew that hope was with us and hope was Jesus. And Jesus was something he could hold on to. Hebrews 6, 18 through 19 says, so that by two unchangeable things, I'm reading this from the Amplified, so there's more words. It must have been a girl that wrote this, right? There's more words, okay. Hebrews 6, 18 through 19, it says, so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, God is sovereign, he's unchangeable, and so is his promises. In which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled or run to him for refuge would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. This hope, this confident assurance that we have, it's an anchor of the soul. It cannot slip, it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. A safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple, that most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells. When we run to Jesus with that strength, I mean, we're, we're digging it up from the bottom. I don't feel like doing this. I've lost all my endurance. Just like Jeremiah said, I'm grabbing on to the very bottom of what I am and who I am and I'm running to him. He fills us with strength and hope and he's an anchor that will keep us steady in it. He's not going to leave us either, so he's actually there with us at the same time, right? He is an anchor that holds us steady, that keeps us safe when the storms come. The promises of God are true, and they're ours. They're yours. They're mine. You know, I've always struggled with what do people do when they don't have Jesus? I mean, because that scripture, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. He didn't say in this world Christians will have trouble. He said you will have trouble. So that means those who don't know God or those who are anti-God, they have troubles too. What do they do? How do they get through it? How do they make it when their child is taken from them? How do they make it when um, their spouse is taken from them? How do they make it when their business falls apart, they're bankrupt, they don't even know where the next meal's coming from. How do they get through that? How do they make it? Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they end up in therapy the rest of their lives, they're stuck in the middle of this miserable mess and they never get out of it. 
How do they make it? But I bet you guys know someone like that. Keep that in mind, all right? The hope of eternity provides us an eternal perspective. We know that someday we're gonna be in heaven with him forever. That eternal perspective takes our attention off of the the temporal thing that we're going through to remind us that even if today doesn't get better, even if next week doesn't get better, I know my better is forever. Amen? I know that my eternity is sure, it's certain. Romans 15 and five says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. The Amplified version of that says, by the power of the Holy Spirit you will abound in hope and overflow with confidence in his promises. Even if you're in the middle of the storm, you run to him, that anchor, that solid, for sure, for certain, absolute, you run to him with all the strength that you have, and he will fill you with strength, and hope will overflow in the confidence of his promises. I wanna share a story with you, and some of you probably heard this, I don't know if you haven't. Every time I look at this story or I read this, it just causes me to pause and probably cry, but anyway, it causes me to pause and go, would I have done that? Two, if I were in this man's situation, would I be as strong as he is? I don't know, but I think when we're in those situations, he gives us the strength when we run to him and we're able to get through things we thought we never would be able to. Horatio Spafford waited a long time for a son. He had four daughters before the son came along. So his family was complete. Now, he's, an ex- he's a successful attorney, and everything is great. Then his baby boy died. And right after his baby boy died, there was this huge fire in Chicago. They called it the Great Fire, and he lost everything he had. Everything was wiped out. He had a friend named Dwight L. Moody that was holding a crusade in London. So Horatio thought, well, I'm gonna send my, my, my wife and my daughters there for a few weeks so that they can get their spirits lifted, be in the presence of God and, and give them strength to get through this loss. The ship went down. It said that it took 12 minutes for this ship to sink. I'm sure that seemed an eternity for his wife because she sent a telegram once she landed in England that said, saved alone. So immediately, he got on a ship and boarded a ship to join his wife to be there with her. And when they got to the point in the ocean where the ship had gone down, the captain came to him and said, this is where your daughters lost their lives. And he said, no, no. This is where my daughter's lives began, where it really began their eternal lives, because he knew his God. So he took a piece of stationery, went to his cabin, and he penned these words. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, whatever, whatever my lot that has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. 
If things look hopeless to you because of the circumstances or situations in your life, you can choose to grab on to that anchor. Now, if you're like me, I'm probably going to grab it with both arms, both legs, and just body hug that thing because it's going to make me feel secure. He doesn't judge that, right? He knows us. But we can run to him, and he will fill us with strength where we're overflowing with hope in his confidence and in his confidence in his promises. God is sovereign and his promises are true. He cannot lie. We can run to him today. That is a comforting thought. When we do, he's there for us. Amen? Would you guys stand with me for a second? How many of you guys need the God of hope to lift you with confidence today. How many of you need the God of hope to be your refuge and your anchor? Well, I want to tell you that he is, he's here. He knows your heart and no matter what it looks like, no matter how hopeless it looks, he's there for you. He loves you. And he wants to strengthen you and fill you with hope so that you just run to him. Both arms, both legs, he's the anchor that we need. We can trust him with whatever. I don't want you to leave today carrying the same heaviness that you walked in here with. We can lay it at his feet. We can leave it there. And he can wrap his arms around us and bring us hope. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for being our everything. For being the last thing that we hang on to, that hope. God, our hope is in you. Our hope is that things will be better tomorrow, that things will get better here on earth because you want us to live abundant lives here. God, but even if, even if, no matter our lot, teach us to say it is well with my soul. No matter what, God, we know that if our, our eternity is secure with you, God, it will be better forever so father I just ask you today speak to our hearts wrap your arms around us help us to feel your presence and know that you are with us through this entire thing there is absolutely nothing that you can't take us through God, if we're not in that situation, but we know people close to us, people that we love that are, help us, God, to be hope for them. Help us, God, to to stand with them. We don't want to look at the situation and go, there's nothing I can do. We want to be like the four friends who lift them up and bring them to you. God, we thank you, Father for everything you've done for us and everything you will do. And God, right now, we lean on you. Be our anchor today, tomorrow, next month. 
be that one thing that we hold on to and help us, God, to learn those lessons of not running to everybody else, God, not running to social media, God, but to you first. To strengthen us and overflow us with hope. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. There will be prayer partners up here. So if you need someone to agree with you in prayer for whatever it is you're carrying, we want to stand with you, lift you up. We want to pray with you and agree with you that God's going to intervene and be what you need. We're not your hope, just the friend, right? He's the hope. He's eternal. Amen? Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.